Hey everybody, this is Steve, your rapper host, uh, reaching out um, before you get a chance to listen to this episode to just say that we know um, that everyone has been affected differently, but affected definitely by um, COVID-19 and the pandemic and quarantine, so many different words flying around. I'm not sure which one is the right one to use right here, but um, the one thing we know is that although everyone's been affected differently, the big effect we all have felt, I think, is connection and the lack of connection in the way that we normally can get out and connect with people. And as Johan Hari says in his TED Talk, the opposite of addiction is connection. And so we know how important that connection is. So um, as a team, we've been in prayer and thinking what we can do to kind of help everyone stay connected. And here's what we've come up with. So on May 7th at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, we will be doing a live Q&A episode on Zoom. So for those of you who don't know, we do Q&A episodes where people can submit anonymous questions and we answer them. So we're going to have several couples who have been on before um, who have shared their stories there for the Q&A. Um, and you'll be able to ask questions anonymously. You can also ask them unanonymously as well um, if you just want to kind of be there and connect. So we will be doing that on May 7th at 7 p.m. And go to unashamedunafraid.com and register. And also, uh, for those of you who have subscribed and donated to our Outsiders, of course, we always want to thank you. And we have had some technical hiccups on getting all of our bonus content out. And um, we've delayed putting up our scholarship page for some of the scholarships and timing on things with COVID, having some events um, and stuff moved around. So we want everyone to know that all of the information and bonus episodes to outsiders um, and scholarship page and all of that will be coming up very shortly. So um, stay tuned, coming very soon. And uh, if you are not an outsider, it's easy. You just go to unashamedandafraid.com, donate whatever amount you can donate, and boom, you're an outsider. And that gets you um, additional content, connections, some cool things. So with that, we hope you enjoy this episode, and until we get a chance to talk again, remain unashamed. Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. So, um, normally when we have guests... We have to do, you know, introductions and put yourself in context and tell us your background. But Chris is no stranger and nope. his wife, Autumn, hey. well, I should say he's no stranger to us, but um, it's been a minute since we've had you on. So welcome back officially. Thank you. Um, what you don't know about Autumn is Autumn has like the most excellent Rice Krispie treats ever, ever. You didn't... You, and everyone's thinking that's like, well, of course, Chris is going to say that or he's not going to eat for the next week. No, legitimately, they're the best. Thank for you. real. Um, she chose not to give them to me like a year ago. And so we haven't had her back on the podcast because I've been holding a grudge. <laughs> but, but we've since mended the fence around the Rice Krispie treats, right, Autumn? And yeah. we're, we're in a good place. It's mended. No, just kidding. But um, 
Autumn also um, posts us coming back together over the Rice Krispie treats, um, which again, I you know I I apologize for my hard heartedness. Uh, you've you've kind of started a new venture. I have. Why don't you tell us about it? I am helping Becky Ruff. So Becky and Richard, whose story is on the podcast. Yes. Uh Um, With a podcast called Rise Up Restored. I'm helping to co-host that. And it's women um, dealing with betrayal trauma and their connection with Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, First two episodes are out, right? They are. Um, and so the first episode is Becky's kind of talking, introduced the whole thing. And then the second episode is you. It is me. Sharing your story. Yes. Um, and I, I will promote. So I have heard Autumn and Chris share their story on multiple occasions, many times. Um, and I will say just having it be just you sit down talking about just your experience. Um, I, we're always striving for honesty as addicts. I'm only like 20 minutes through the episode. I'm not all the way through the episode. But even then, I was talking to Chris about it. I'm like, it's different. Because like when the two of you share, there's kind of the certain parts you share in things. And so hearing just you um, is pretty cool. So even if you've heard Chris and Autumn's story, you should go listen to that episode. Like them on iTunes, totally support them, follow them, give them your email. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. We're excited. Thanks. So these are some really great questions. I mean, let's just jump in. So we we really have Autumn here, if I'm being honest, because the, the first question we have um, is specifically on women and, and um, rape. And none of us really felt like we were the right people to handle this question. So we are having Autumn on to do it, basically. So Autumn... Do you want to read our first question? I will read the first <laughs> now question. That I put, now that I put it that way. <laughs> yes, it's a deep question. It's hard. When I was with this guy, he told me that if I didn't do it with him, that he would kill himself. I didn't want to be responsible for his death, so I let him. Then I tried to push him off and tell him that it hurt, but he grabbed me and threw me into a bed stand where I then was left with a huge mark on the back of my head. He then kept trying over and over, and no matter how much I screamed during it, he kept going and didn't care what I said. I would leave and cry my eyes out. He would then tell me to come over again, or else he would kill himself, and I would say, fine, but we aren't doing it. And right as I got there, he would make me do it and say that no one, um, sorry, no one would love me if I didn't. And that I can't tell anyone because they think that would be rape. So I would try to push him off me. I would then leave with bruises all over from him hitting me. Do you think this is considered rape or sexual assault? And should I tell someone? Am I answering first? Yes. Yes! Okay. Yes, it is rape. Yes, it is sexual assault. Um. Let me just read something really quick. Oh, man. And we, we've been, ever since we got this question, we've been praying on this one, shedding some tears. I mean, wow. Just the, just the courage to reach out. I mean, Autumn has some great information right here, but just, the, I don't even know what to say. Just the courage to reach out. Holy cow. Yeah. I don't think there's been a question that we've had that has evoked so much emotion between all of us. 
like the anger, the just being pissed off about it and absolutely not okay. And then just heartbreaking for her. So I'm going to give the definition of rape and then the definition of assault. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about some places that she might be able to reach out to. Um, the definition of rape is unlawful sexual activity and and usually sexual intercourse carried out forcibly or under threat of injury against a person's will or with a person who is beneath a certain age or incapable of valid consent because of mental illness, mental deficiency, intoxication, unconsciousness, or deception. And I just wanted to focus on that word deception from what she said, totally being decepted by this person. And then the second definition is of sexual assault, and it says illegal sexual contact that usually involves force upon a person without consent or is inflicted upon a person who is incapable of giving consent as because of age or physical or mental incapacity or who places the assailant such as um, a position, a person of position or trust or authority. So like if it was a doctor or someone that they trusted right. but right pastor church leader yeah. parent yes parent uncle grandparent yeah so the first thing i would suggest is to reach out to somebody that they trust and love maybe a parent or a friend or a family member or co-worker that they really have a connection with and someone who doesn't know this man yes so i would start with someone who doesn't know the assaulter Yes. Because again, we don't we don't have all the background information. But if this is you know, let's say this was a boyfriend she had for six months, and then they broke up, and then this all craziness started to happen. Like I don't want her to go to the mutual friend and be like, "No, he would never do that. You're crazy," and continue to shame and isolate this. So yeah, I would say someone who is not connected to this person. Yes, and that person can be a support and maybe going to the police station with um her. Mm-hmm. There are victim. There's actually victims advocates in every police station. I don't know if people are aware of that for specific um, women that have been assaulted. Um, I've I've actually gone on behalf of a family member to talk to a victims advocate. They have tons of information. They can connect you with the right people. And then if a police report needs to be filed, that victim advocate actually sits with you and the police officer and has a conversation while you're there talking to the police. At least, at least in my experience with, the, with what we um, dealt with mm-hmm. when I was at the police station with a victim's advocate and the person I was there on behalf of. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call the Rape Recovery Center they have a 24-7 crisis line, and the Rape Recovery Center is actually Utah-based. So if this person isn't in Utah, it's a .org, so I'm sure that they can still call. Yeah, um, still call in. I imagine that they refer out of state all the time. Yes. So still, you could start here and be like, hey, I'm, I don't live in Utah. I live in Wisconsin. And they'd be like, oh, here's the Wisconsin people you need to call. Yeah. So still a good start. So the Utah... Um, it's raperecoverycenter.org, and the Utah phone number is 801-467-7273. And then there's a national um, hotline, which is called rain.org, and it's R-A-I-N-N.org. 
and it's the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline, and it's a confidential um, source, and it's an online chat as well. People can go online and chat with somebody. Um, I just, I my heart breaks for her, and I hope that she can find peace and healing and get the help that she needs, but it is definitely rape and sexual assault. 105,000%. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Last time I checked, no still means no. It hasn't ever changed. Hmm. She says no, you got to stop. Mm-hmm. And where he's coercing her and she's feeling like she's stuck there, I totally believe that he's using coercion to harm her. Define that word for some of us who might not know Coercion? Yeah. Like, if you don't do this, I'm going to do X, Y, Z to you. If Mm -hmm. you don't do this, then I'm going to say X, Y, Z about you. Yeah, so this guy, if you don't have sex with me, I'm going to kill myself, right? Was this coercion? Manipulation. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he got her... Insert all the bad words here. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got her involved and then he hurt her. Mm -hmm. He hit her. He beat her. He did what he needed. Yeah. I mean, so there's just physical assault, even beyond just the sexual assault. Yeah. Um, The the one experience that I just want to share is I know a lot of times when we get these questions or get emails, people think they're crazy because like they've been isolated and they've been, right? I mean, she's gone through this whole experience just with this abuser. I don't know how else to label him. There's a lot of labels we could put on him. Um, and, uh, and I know he has a whole story and a whole background and needs help. We, you know, I mean, that's where all the men sitting here, right? So we get that, but forget him right now. Looking at her situation, I can see why that's isolating. And, um, Jason's here doing our audio. He reminded me of the experience I had, uh, sitting with a guy once. So I was sitting with him and I'm like, tell me, and, and I think he's telling me an addiction story, right? I'm like, this guy's going to tell me, hey, I'm acting out. Here's where I'm at. And I'm like, so what, what's going on? Why are you having a hard time? And he's like, yeah, I've actually been sober for like four years. And I'm like, well, freak, this guy doesn't need me. Like, <laughs> I think he's doing pretty good. Like, you know, you want to come on the show and tell us about it? Um, and after about 40 minutes of asking questions, um, and, I, and I could tell something was off, and I'm just trying to quicken the story here. I asked him, I was like, so is there any physical abuse? Because she's doing all these really nasty texts, withholding his kids from him, doing like all this stuff that I'm like, woo, flags going off everywhere. The situation's not okay. And he couldn't see it to the point that I asked him directly. I was like, is there any physical abuse? And he's like, no. I'm like, do you know what I mean by physical abuse? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no. Has her body ever come into contact with your body like not in a friendly way, in an aggressive like, way, in an aggressive way, or has she ever taken an object with her body and hit your body with it, or made contact with your body in a non-friendly way? And he's like, "Well, there was kind of this one time." Ten minutes later, there had been multiple incidences of her totally trying to beat the crap out of him and him being in the fetal position and that. And so to our anonymous question to this, to this woman, this girl, what I want to say is like, you're not crazy. 
She's not. And you're not crazy. Like you've been told this whole time, like no one will love you. Even in the question that he's telling you, no one will love you and that you're responsible if he commits suicide. Like this is all a lie. Like this is a total lie. Like we're all sitting here like, no, like he's lying to you. Like it's completely wrong. Like he's telling you that the sky's purple, but it's really blue. He's full of crap. And he's Just, ga- ah. it's it's called gaslighting. Totally. He's totally gaslighting her and totally making her feel isolated and like she can't go to anybody and that she's crazy and that if she doesn't do this, then she's in the wrong total gas. And if there's other people telling you that the sky is also purple, they're with him and they are totally 100% wrong. The sky's blue. This is absolutely assault and rape. You are not crazy. Reach out and get help. And the other thing that's important too, that people often forget about this is like, her just walking away and being like, okay, I'll deal with my trauma or whatever and not reporting it. I know it takes so much courage to report it, but like he is going to move on to the next woman. So she's holding the information right now to, for lack of a better word, get this guy off the streets and prevent him from furthering. Cause he's going to move. He's not just going to bump his head, go to church one day and be like, never mind. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like and she we may all not know. have been his first time doing that too. I'm assuming I will probably guarantee she's not right. I mean, we could assume like this. And is because probably, somebody else didn't say anything like you just said, it continues on. Amen. So, and then they escalate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can obviously see that he obviously knows that it's bad what he's doing already. Cause he's asking her, don't say anything to anybody because he doesn't want to get in trouble. He knows he's going to get in trouble. Oh, he knows, he knows he's exactly what he's doing. Yes. Well, he titled it rape himself. He said, don't tell anybody this because they will call it rape. Yeah. He said that. Yeah, even he, in his gaslighting, right, he knows. Because it. he knows that that's what he's doing. Yeah. And here's the thing. Addiction doesn't give you an excuse. Or the fact what, that you're suicidal you're, doesn't yeah, give you an excuse. does not give any excuse to exhibit a behavior in hurting someone else in any way, shape or form. Right. And I want to say just how, you know, Autumn, you were you in no way in no shape or form were ever responsible for any of Chris's many bad life choices, nor is Kayla responsible for any of my bad life choices or Christy responsible James for any of your bad life choices. If he does take his own life, you know how much responsibility she has? Zero. Zero. Yep. Zero. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it'd be like if I came to you, James, and I was like, if you don't give me all my money, I'm going to stay in my addiction. Like, that just doesn't make sense. And so I just want to say that, too, to be like, that proposition he's putting you in, like, even if he chooses to end his life to complete that suicide attempt, again, like, not... That's not her fault. He's using the coercion to put that weight on her. He totally is. We're praying for you. We are. We love you. Not your body, not your sexuality, you as a person, as a daughter of God. And we hope that you can find the help that you need. Um, One of our team members is actually reaching out, Rachel, um, who works with us on the social media side, is going to reach out directly. So the world knows reaching out directly. So we're going to do everything we can to um, obviously keep the identity anonymous of our question that's important to this forum, but do everything we can to make sure she gets the resources that she needs. So um, to be honest, I would just invite anyone who's listening to this right now to just hit pause for a minute or two and to pray for this question submitter. 
Um, and also because we're on this side of the table also to pray for that man, that he will get disrupted so that there will be consequences so that he can stop perpetrating and change. So I'd invite everybody to do that if you're willing. And I would invite everybody to pray for, there's so many women that this happens to that they don't, they're too scared to say anything or they don't think it was that big of a deal or anything like that. And then they blame themselves or whatever, pray for them that they will be able to have the courage like she did to reach out and reach out to somebody close to them. That can be a support person for them. Well, Chris, why don't you pray right now for us? Okay. Father, we are so grateful for the courage and the strength that this woman had to reach out to us to invite us into her world with the struggle that she's up against right now. We are so grateful for this platform that she's been able to reach out to us and and ask this question that she obviously is scared to ask. Father, we ask you to be with her, comfort her, come down and wrap your arms around her and let her know how much she is loved by you. No matter what happened, it doesn't change the love that you have, that you have for her, that this is not her fault. Help understand understand that you can take the pain away from her. That she can surrender that. That she doesn't have to let this consume her life or her thoughts. Help her find the support person or persons that she can go to for help and for guidance. that she will know that she can always turn to you for that help. And I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, all those resources that Autumn mentioned will be on the website with the blog post associated with this. And so if you just go to unashamedandafraid.com podcast this episode, you will see the links and the phone numbers that Autumn shared on there. Um, for anyone else listening who's in a, in a similar circumstance and need those resources and for, um, and for our listener. Chris. Yep. I got the next question. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I struggled with an addiction to pornography since I was 10. Me too. I'm now 33 and married with two kids. Close. I'm 31 with two kids, so I've gotten we can to still the po- hang out, though. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I think going to an in-house addiction recovery treatment center might be the very best thing for me, but I don't know where to even begin looking for a center that focuses on pornography addiction. Are there any resources or places that you would recommend I start looking at? So I'm going to give him specifics and then I'm going to let James, I'm going to let you and Chris take over on, you know, doing something that, you know, intent, I'll call it intensive therapy for that. So, um, I can give you, we're going to give you three resources here. So there's Paradise Creek Recovery Center, which is in Logan. Um, and I would tell you just to Google that or go, we'll have it on the podcast, uh, on the website. So that's in Logan. They do, uh, Logan, Utah. Yes. Logan, Utah. Thank you. They do inpatient. Um, you can also go, there's one down in St. George called Desert Solace. Um, so 
north end of our state, south end of our state, there's two options. Again, if you Google either of those, you'll find all their information will pop right up. We'll also have it on the podcast website. And the last one I tell you, if you're out of state, um, I can tell you for sure it's going to be the one that's the most expensive, but the Meadows, um, which is in, in the Phoenix area, and they, have, they actually have several locations around the country, they're like a big deal. So like new therapy theories, like by the time something comes out and it's a best-selling book and it's a thing you can certify in as a therapist, they were doing it at the Meadows like five years ago. So they um, do one, and so that's really cool too. That's probably a more cost, cost prohibitive, but I don't know. So um, there's a couple options for us locally, nationally. So you you probably can find them somewhere else. Um, but my guess would be if you're willing to go completely inpatient, then travel might not be as big of a deal. Um but I'm sure that there's some other places around the country too. But those are the ones that we know of. Hopefully that gets you started. Um, if you are here in Utah, then boom, there you go. A couple options. Um, the other one that I want to bring up is Lifestar, um, which we've talked about on here. So they, they're also local here, Salt Lake, but they do a outpatient intensive. So they call it an IOP. So that was actually the first thing I did in my recovery was Lifestar's IOP. And so it was like eight in the morning till six at night. Monday through Saturday, sort of like six straight days. Um, and so my two cents on that is if you're just starting recovery or you've been in recovery for several years and you're like, nothing works, I'm just super stuck. I think something intensive like this can be a really good tool. But that's my two cents, James. Well, another uh, resource that he could potentially look at if he's out of state, out of Utah, um, there are some online places that offer some self-directed um, recovery. I can't vouch for them because I didn't do that. Um, but I have, my, there's a site called lifeafterpornography.com um, where there's some resources on there. It um, it embraces the acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, and there's a lot of tools and resources on that one mm-hmm. that might be just a place to kind of get started um, until he can decide if he really does, if he can't afford that intensive in-house um, just something to to at least get started somewhere. The other option I would tell you is if you can find a really experienced therapist, um, they will do an attempt. So Alaska Steve, as I call him, because um, I'm Steve, so we can't both be Steve. So he has to be Alaska Steve. Um, he like took the time. So he just kind of pre-scheduled with some therapists here in Utah and was like, can I just, he kind of created his own intensive, basically. It was like, I'm from Alaska, but I'm going to come down, I think it was three months, wasn't three it, Three months, yep. So maybe you can't do three months, but maybe if you can say, hey, I found, you know, maybe you're down in Florida and you found some really good therapists and you're like, man, these therapists in Georgia seem really good. You know, you might be able to call them and say, hey, could I schedule in advance like a four or five hour block of your time to do some intensive therapy four or five days in a row and kind of schedule that. So you can kind of make up your own intensive. Um, most therapists, like they know what they would cover in that time. So they'll just jam it all in that time. So that would be an option. So sorry, I had that idea is James was kind of going off that. Chris? I was just going to say with the, the intent of outpatient that they have at Lifestar, um, I've heard a lot of amazing successes that have come out of that. And people fly seriously from all over the country to come to that. Mm-hmm. And so, the, I mean, they have, they've had people from Minnesota and New York and, I mean, all over the place coming in for that piece because it's just, it's been so important for them and they've had a lot of success with it. So, well, I think the bigger question is what would you say just about like doing an intensive or an impatient thing in general? I think it's awesome. One thing is, is because it can, you get so much information 
in that first week that you're doing them for the intensive. And I think that can actually help you um, understand a lot because of all the information that you get, you can be able you'll be, excuse me, you're going to get so many tools to be able to access. And then when you go back home, you're going to be able to have this whole plethora of tools that you on your tool belt that you can actually access anytime and have access to it. Where in some other recovery programs, you may be into it six months, a year, or something like that before you're getting all those tools because of how it's laid out. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. can get it all, all at once. Autumn? Yes. Any comments? I do, actually. I, it says he's married with two kids, so I'm assuming he's staying married, and I really think it's important for the spouse of an addict to get help for themselves as well. That can look like a lot of different things for women. It can be SNON. It can be um, a group therapy program for women as well. Um, SA Lifeline has a women's program. Just they're going to need some help too. It's not... I think when Chris started recovery, I was like, oh, this is just his deal. Yeah. I didn't really understand what it was about. And I didn't even know if he had an addiction. I just thought at first it was an excuse um, to have affairs. Like I had no clue. And so getting help for myself actually was very freeing for me and gave me a lot of hope because I was working on myself. I I couldn't change anybody but me. Yeah. So whatever Chris yeah. was doing, I just knew that what I needed to do was heal my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And let's kind of go back to, to how you were talking about Alaska Steve. So he actually brought his wife down, and they did the they did it for the full three months down here because he had a job where he can run it from anywhere in the country. It didn't matter. So he was able to come down here. They rented an apartment. They were down here for three months. So she was able to partake of of that recovery process as well. Yeah, like so, they both didn't intend Yeah, so if, yeah. if you can no, do I'm something like that, that and you have the, the financial means to be able to do that or you can operate your company from wherever, do it. There's a lot of cool or we, resources. Or like we tote the, you know, the Warrior Heart Retreat and then the Women's Retreat. So that's like a little bit like still kind of an intensive experience, but like bite size. So if you've got something somewhere where you're like, hey, that's a two-day thing or even a one-day full-day workshop, anything I think you can do on any type of intensive level goes better. Because I mean, like I remember going to therapy sessions, even individual ones or Kayla and I, you know, we'd show up and it's like, I literally just left work. Like I'm hanging up the phone in the car, like blah, 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 let's make a deal. Bye. And then I walk in and it's like, let's totally talk about therapy and trauma. And you have an hour. And you have an hour. And you're like, cool. And you get, and you, well, and you spend that and you're like, okay, man, that's great. And then you walk back and then I'm back in my car and I'm back in life talking to whoever, going on whatever. And so just having that time, I mean, that's like, that's the top secret thing about the Warrior Heart Retreat is half of it's just having the time, the consistent time to sit with God, mind blower. That's literally the magic. Um, So even if it's a small thing, like, because I know as an addict, sometimes we want to control recovery. So it sounds like this question submitted, like, I really want to make something happen. So he's maybe thinking it has to be a week. Even if you find a thing that's a day, like that still is going to be pretty intense and a good experience for you. So James, our third and final question lies in your hands. Great. Make it good. <laughs> yeah, bring your A game, James. <laughs> bring bring my radio voice. Yeah, these questions are for real. All right. My group was last night, and I, 
See, you guys put a lot of pressure on me. Now I, I can't even read anymore. Jason's not going to edit any of this. Oh, great. All right. And he's talking about recovery group in this, yep. by the way. Okay, yeah, here we we'll go. Assume, we'll assume <laughs> some type Let's of recovery hope. group. Yep. My group was last night, and I see a lot of them struggling with really connecting with God. I know before I went to the Warrior Heart Boot Camp, I couldn't see Father, nor could I imagine him caring directly about me. I listened to the Unashamed Unafraid episode 21, where one of the subjects was about God. I had the thought, I would love to hear a podcast of men in recovery stating their view of Father, his his traits that they see and why, and how this changed their recovery. Maybe include how Father gives them love notes now and how Father speaks to them. A podcast on that would give hope to those who just can't envision a reality where Father truly desires an affectionate, intimate relationship with them. Boom. So James is all over this question, but before he jumps in, I will say that is basically the wild at heart episodes are literally almost that word for word. So both of the episodes we've done before where we had men come on and talk about their experience of the weekend, they basically just address this relationship. Also, um, leading saints did an episode called, um, is elders quorum working? Um, which also was kind of a plug for the Warrior Heart Retreat. But what he had was a bunch of men come on and share their experiences of kind of this connection of Father with God. So we're kind of answering this anonymous question for him because we kind of already did this episode. We just kind of did it under the guise of the Warrior Heart. And so that episode would be really good to share with the guys in his yeah. group on that. Yeah, it, but, would, it would enhance this question. But I love this question because... Of- well, and translate really quick... Um, he's using very specific dialogue yeah. to John Eldridge's Wild at Heart text and the boot camp. So maybe unpack some of the vocabulary he's using there. Yeah. Because like how he's saying, Father, look, like I'm not sure. If I had not read Wild at Heart, I'd be like, dude, what is this guy talking about? Yeah, so I think one of the ones that most people aren't going to understand is how Father gives them love notes. So love notes. Father meaning just God. Yep, Father yep. meaning God. And the love notes are how God shares his affection for you and how, how do you see God um, and how God basically tells you that he loves you. So it's like a little love note. Now, some people will see that, for instance, I've heard of people at the Warrior Heart group that um, they might be walking along and they'll see a heart rock. And to them, that rock in the shape of a heart um, was God's way of saying, hey, I, I love you. Here's, I see your heart. I see your heart, right? Um, some people might just find it in the beauty of nature overall, like a beautiful sunset. And it's like, wow, you know, God, the, Chris, almi- that's Chris yeah, God the almighty creator has put this sunset here and has touched my heart as I'm looking at it. He, he is deciding to commune with the in this with me in this moment, and to tell me that I, that he loves me, and I'm going to hear that and accept that. And it's not even just sunsets. It's like like we had when we were up at the Alaska uh, Warrior Heart Boot Camp. There's been guys up there up in Alaska that were living there for eight years and had never seen the Northern Lights. The night before boot camp, we a whole bunch of us arrive at the at the lake house, and God just shows up and he starts painting the whole 
the whole sky with right. this green, beautiful glow, and it is just going everywhere. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, the coolest thing ever. I'm taking the camera out, taking pictures, and you're seeing it reflecting off the off the ice on the lake. And it was, like, amazing. So it's not yeah. just sunsets. It, it's, it's ways that God can connect to you in his power yeah. in showing you what he can do. Yeah, that was awesome. I know I took that as a personal love note because that was something on my bucket list was to see the Northern Lights sometime in my life. And so the fact that that happened on the night that we were there, I personally took that as a moment to thank God and to let his love and feel that love wash over me. And I took some some alone time out on that ice and just in observing that, um, let letting God's love fill my heart. So I know that, you know, anyway, so um, those love notes can come to guys in, in a million different ways. Steve, mm-hmm. how does, how uh, do you perceive well, God's Autumn, love Autumn's notes Autumn's like you? bouncing up and down in her chair, I feel like. I'm just shaking my leg, but I do want to say something. <laughs> See, I did, I did read it, right? <laughs> you did kind read of. my eyes. Yeah, you did. I feel like as humans, we expect God to show up for us in huge ways. Like we're expecting miracles from the Bible, like these big, huge, grandiose things in our lives, and then He doesn't show up for us in that way, and we get let down. So and we think He's not there. Yeah. So we're like, well, oh, even, well, He doesn't— even, even like in a proposition way, right? So like, like John and Amy share in their story— um, how she thought God was a vending machine in the sky, right? It, it, God, get, help me get a new job, and then I'll know that you love me. That's my love note. Or God, we kind of give him like a, do this, and then I get that, and then I know that you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And Heavenly Father doesn't work that way a lot of the time. And I, I'm going through this with a child right now who's like, I'm praying and I'm doing all these things and he's not showing up. And then he'll come home and ask me or tell me a story. And I'm like, we need to stop for just a minute. You found your AirPods after a year and you've been praying for that for a year. And they showed up today. Like that's Heavenly Father saying, hey, I'm here for you in just a small, tiny way, like the sunset, the sunrise, being able to walk. Um, I was just somewhere recently, and the um, lady that was speaking said, we take for granted all these little things that we're given, and we don't give thanks to the Creator who gave them to us. And He is showing up for us all day, every day, and we just ignore it. Yeah. And we we disassociate ourselves from God instead of connecting to him through those little things. So. Right. So a love note is basically a way that we choose to see God's pursuit of our heart. Right? Mm-hmm. So in here he's asking um how Father gives us personally love notes. So back to you Steve, how do you feel that God sends you a love note? Yeah, and I think the the principle we're all hinting around here is a shift. If you think about it as a relationship, because he talks about that in the question, right? is for me, God was distant, and it, it wasn't input-output. I was always earning his love to make that happen. And there's certain things that I learned are worthy of love or not. So to me, it was very important to be super spiritual, because that gets you like more brownie points with God than like 
being good at sports. Like being good at sports, you're going to get some brownie points and it's good. But if you want a lot of points with God, be super spiritual. That's going to get you way more points with him than, do you know, do, do those things. And so you kind of get on that system. And so think of it with any relationship. Like if we just take this, like, so if I'm like, okay, James, like I don't approach our, our friendship, our brotherhood and be like, if I go to James's house tonight and, um, bring him a milkshake, then tomorrow he will bring me lunch at work. And then I show up and I take you the milkshake and you're like, thanks dude. That was really awesome. I'm like, uh-huh. And then I leave and I'm sitting at lunch the next day and I'm like, what the hell? He didn't bring me lunch. Like, that's what I think Autumn and I, like, that's what we're talking about. Like, that's what we do with God. And so on the love notes, I'd say two experiences. One, I was at boot camp, and everyone has these stories, the rock. And some of these stories, like, you can't make this stuff up. Like, one guy, it was like, birds of prey specifically. And he's like, I'm just praying in the woods, and the super rare owl literally just comes and lands on the tree branch five feet from my head. And I'm like, dude, this is like in a movie. So I'm, I'm walking out of one of the sessions at boot camp, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like everyone has something. Like I wish I had something. And as I'm, as I'm standing outside, you know, when planes go across the sky and they kind of leave that jet stream line. Um, I was like, okay, like that would be a love note. Okay, so what? You just point to something and make it up, like. The grass grew. That can be my love note. Like, because to me, it's kind of like, <laughs> like minimizing these guys' experience because I wasn't getting it, you know? And I'm like, okay, cool. My shoelaces were tied. That can be a love note, you know? I saw someone with the same color hair as me. That's a love note. Like, whatever. But it's a relationship thing, you know? And so it's, it's now been very interesting in my awareness of when those jet streams show up. And, and when they're, and so it's this conversation that we have. And the biggest one that I always bring up is the, is the Christian hip hop music. Um, for me, that's been such a relationship with God, like the concerts I've been able to go to when I've seen people, when they've released music with certain themes in their music and certain songs around it. Like I've listened to so many of these Christian rap songs that I'm just like, how was this released at this time? It's like, God, you knew my recovery. And we're like, hey, I'm going to have this song drop in the spring of this year because it's going to be really meaningful to Steve's recovery. Like, they feel that intimate to me. And so from Christian rap music to sunsets to there's no limitation on what it can be. Um, and so, I mean, that's kind of my experience around it. But Two it's letters the from a spouse right before you're going to go and speak? Totally. That was <laughs> that, And that was out of character and that was so different. And so, yeah, I mean, my advice would be it's about changing the relationship. It's not the specific item thing. The questions I would be asking are, God, do you want to have a personal relationship with me? And it's going to be personal to you. So if you're someone who jokes all the time, like, and humor is a thing for you, like God will come to you in humor. If you're someone who it's in comfort, God might come to you in comfort. Like if you're someone who it's like, you I mean like you just can't make up the Christian hip hop thing? Like, have you met me? You know, like that, like that just is so. And so, what I would say is, you literally, I believe, can say, God, do you want a relationship with me? I'm this kind of person. Do you want a relationship with that kind of person? And your love notes are going to come in your language. If you speak Chinese, they'll come in Chinese. If you speak Spanish, they'll come in Spanish. Yeah. Yep. Ask absolutely. Ask him how do you, how do you speak to my heart? What are the love notes that I need to be watching for? 
And don't limit it. Don't limit it. Because that's one of the things that I talked about to my son. I'm like, I'm like, dude, that was a love note. And one one of the times he came to us and um, he was pretty sad one night and and he's like, I just don't, I just don't feel like God. I just don't feel like God sees me or He hears me. I pray every night and I just don't feel like He hears me. And and I asked him, I'm like, hey, why don't you ask him how he speaks to your heart? And he's like, I never thought about it that way. I'm all, he might be speaking to you and showing you all sorts of different things, all sorts of different signs of how he loves you, but you're just not opening yourself up to be able to see that piece. It's kind of like on... Um, Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. When he's like, God, just show me a sign. And he's walking through everything or driving through everything. And there's like signs everywhere. <laughs> watch out for this. Watch out for that. And he's just oblivious to all the signs that God is giving him. You know, we need to pay attention. When we ask for that, pay attention. Sit with it and even spend that time with God. And be like, and don't just be like, hey, how do you talk to me? And then go about your day and move on. Sit with God for a little bit and and see what he shows you. He might not show you right then, but he will hey, eventually. Give, give him some of your time. At the very beginning, he says, my group last night and I see a lot of, I was in my group last night and I see a lot of them struggling really with connecting with God. I think that addicts feel like they are unworthy of God's love and that is absolutely false. That's so false. And that's what the adversary wants you to do is think that you can't connect with God because of what you've done and that there's no way back to Him. And these little love notes are small ways that God is connecting you to Him so that you can end up seeing the small things and those small things turn into big things. So that brings me to um, what I really wanted to talk about with this one was... um, uh, this this section here where he says, I would love to hear um, men in recovery stating their view of Father, his traits that they see and why. And first and foremost, we have to see, um, I would say, what are your current views of him? If anybody's struggling to connect, right? What are your current views of him that make it hard to connect? And you're going to have to dig down into your heart and soul and really be honest with yourself to find this. And make him a real person. You and I, James, have had these conversations. Absolutely. I can describe Autumn to someone. Like, tell me about Autumn, and I can describe some of her traits. I'll be like, she's totally like life of the party talker while I hang out. She's talking in storytelling like, like a person. So if you were to describe God as a person, not as God, just as a person, if you're to be like, hey, you should meet my buddy God. Like, hey, I know this guy named God. Like, what? how would you describe him? Right? That's kind of a way to put that in context that you right. and I have talked about before. Right. And so, <clears throat> I think the episode where he's talking about is, is I talk about some of those false character traits that we put on God. So, check out episode 21 if you want to hear more about that. But I would... Yeah, here's a pretty good podcast. Yeah, that's what they say. Um, so, this is a chance... I would challenge your current belief system about God. If you have a hard time connecting with him, I will challenge you, you don't know him. So, if you can't connect with him, you don't know him. Therefore, 
start to figure out what you do believe about God and challenge those beliefs because they're probably wrong. So um, this has been one of my wonderful journeys over the last eight years is deconstructing and reconstructing who God is. Um, and I think you can probably listen to mine and Christie's podcast to get a little glimpse of that as well um, as to what that looked like for me. But what I want to tell you is what I want to do is answer the last part of that question and um, what my view of father is now and his traits that I see and why I see him that way. Um, And the traits that I've picked up about God that I've learned have come mostly through searching the scriptures. I am looking in the scriptures for God's character, for his heart. I'm looking in the stories. I'm looking in the verses to find out what does this tell me about the character and nature of God. So, one of there's so many that I totally love, um, and I and I know that um, you can. This is I think probably been shared on here before, but the story of the prodigal son, where the you know the son is coming back. And the father runs to the son and hugs him and kisses him. The father is watching for that son. What does that tell us about A the far na- way off, he says. Yes. Sees him. So, what does that tell us about the heart and nature and character of God? He's not there to punish, he's not there to condemn. He is watching for us and he will run to us. What does that tell us about the, the heart of God? He is pursuing us, and He rejoices in us. He loves us deeply. So that parable alone— And the prodigal son hadn't changed. He'd just come home. Right. That's right. Um, <clears throat> and then there's—so it's—and it's, and so anyway, if you want to read that one, you'll find that in Luke 15 if you want to hear that story. Um, there's— Another favorite of mine is in Romans chapter eight, um, chap, you know, verses thirty-five through thirty-nine, um, and it starts out in thirty-five: "Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" And then, for the next four verses, there is item after item after item after item. Yeah, that's the height, nor depth, nor principality. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like there, and then at the end, basically, it says. In the end, there is nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of God. That means our addiction cannot separate us from the love of God. Right. So, what does that tell us about God? What does that tell us about the heart? About his identity. Yes, who he is. is, What his character and nature is really like. Yeah. He is merciful. He is coming after your heart, and he will let nothing stand in the way. Yeah, that is his heart for you. Heart that of is, man. That is his pursuit for you. Yes, heart, heart of man. Heart of man. Great, great movie, movie for that, that kind of demonstrates that. Yeah. So another one, Zephaniah three seventeen. Talk about. So here, this one talks about the tenderness and the. I just love this one. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. You will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Talk about the, right? 
he rejoices in us. And, and I'm, I'm reminded of like a, a parent singing at the foot of his little, you know, two-year-old's bed, right? Just the tenderness of that, the love, the gentleness. So mm-hmm. you will find God in the scriptures if you're looking for him. You will find the truth of who he really is. Yeah, look, looking for the identity. Right? Yeah. No, I, I love how you put that. And that's, I mean, that's a conversation you and I have had like many, many times. Right. You know? Autumn, the leg isn't bouncing, but I'm sure that you've had change in your life of the identity of God. So to answer his question, how do you see God now? It's a lot different than I did before. I think a lot of times we place Heavenly Father in the same category as our earthly father, and we yeah. take our f- earthly father's traits and associate them with our heavenly father's traits. That's all we know. And yeah. our earthly father is very flawed, and our heavenly father is perfected, and his love is perfect for us. And I think we forget that, and we put the earthly traits that we have assigned to our earthly father to heavenly father, and it's, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm... Um, my light is dim. I'm not seen. I'm unheard. And for me, for a long time, it was, I'm not lovable. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. And Heavenly Father showed up for me so many times and said, I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And I know you. And I can't deny that. Like, I can't... Um, even when I was really angry with Heavenly Father for the things that were going on in Chris and I's marriage, He showed up for me. Time and time again, He showed up for me. And my love has changed in that I see He is a perfect Father, and He has come after my heart. And I've also changed my outlook on my earthly father and Had more compassion. Yeah, and know that He is imperfect, and Heavenly Father loves Him just as much, and He worked just as hard to get my love as Heavenly Father does. Yeah, Autumn, I could totally relate to that, because that's been my my whole identity journey with God has been earning it. I say that on here all the time, like, I'm going to earn your love, right? And um, for me, it was always not, you know, James, you come from a lot of like not lovable and I'm like not lovable. For me, it was, well, you're only lovable if you can earn it, but you're reasonably talented. You might be able to earn it. Like, so my mindset was always like hustle. So I'll, I'll use the term hustle for my worth. Um, and so I can relate to that. And I think we see, so I'm the opposite of James here for me, seeing it in the culture, in my church culture as a Latter-day Saint and in my family system was like too hard for me at first because I, I look, I was going through that system looking for how to earn it. So to me, it was, what's the checklist? How do I do this? What are the right things? And so God and culture all became one thing for me in that. Um and I was I was talking to a therapist earlier today where she was talking about like wholly relying on Christ. And we're doing our series right now, our bonus content series on surrender and the 12 steps and how big that's been for me because that's kind of been my whole recovery has been me acting out and being like, okay, now I am 
I for sure am not going to earn it and am not worthy of your love. And like you, Autumn, it's like, he just keeps showing up for me. And that was that last round of when I, when I had the affair over a year, like year ago was me. I'm like, okay, this is big enough for sure. Your love is conditional at this. I mean, everyone's love should be. And all the love notes and stuff, it was like God was almost being like, see, we can do this as many times as you need to. My love is never going to be conditional. And so only when I started to get that on the personal level, pausing, like you said earlier, Chris, then I could go back into my culture, my family, like you're saying compassion with your father, Autumn. It was only when I stepped back and, and did some of this for myself that then I could go back into the scriptures and be like, oh, there you are. Like, I, I almost think of like in Hook with Robin Williams when all the kids and the one kid's touching his face. And then he's like, oh, there you are, Peter. And they finally recognize him as, as you know, the pan, as Peter Pan. It was almost like I had to walk back in that culture. And then I'm like, oh, you were here the whole time. I just didn't even know. And so that might be part of that experience for you is, is like you're saying, Autumn, the unpacking of that. So as you said that, that just came to my mind um, for me of kind of how that experience was. But Chris, we're going to give you the final word on this one. God, identity, what is it now? So one of the things that I would say that we, that I'm going to give everybody a homework assignment. I don't think we've ever done that yet, but I want to give everybody a homework assignment. You can only give an assignment if you follow up, by the way, so <laughs> hope you find all these people. And and if you guys actually do this, talk, email us and, and let us know well, about your Well, send Chris experience. an email. No, no, you put it out there. You okay. own it. S- Chris send me is giving email. you an assignment, and you can turn it in by sending an email to chris at unashamedunafraid.com. There you go. So So with this, what I want you to do is... Just sit down, make it quiet, maybe go up in the mountains, do, do whatever that's comfortable for you, and then go to God and write a letter to yourself as, it's from, as if it is from God. How does he see you? How does he talk to your heart? Open your heart up to that. Open your your mind up to understanding God's love for you and write that down of really how he sees you, how he loves you. How you would like him to see you. For instance, I I can see myself back when I was not in a good place with God. Because I could back then, I could be like, James, I'm just disappointed in you pretty much all the time. Like, I love you. You're my son. But you just don't get it, man. Yeah. So... Write that letter from God, what you would love to hear from him, even though you don't believe it yet. Well, and, and, and or the way, worst way I did this exercise was write a letter from your earthly father, from your dad here, saying all the things you wish he would have said. So if you could just manipulate your dad and be like, these are all the things I want you to say. So kind of manipulate God. Please don't take that quote out of context ever. Crap. Um, Don't, you know, what you want God to say. That's what you're saying, right, Chris? Not what you think he would say. If you could just decide who God was and decide how he felt about you, that's what you're going to write. Exactly. See, I I did it two ways myself as well, um, depending on the, the time of year that I was doing it. So the very first letter I wrote was actually 
from my earthly father of how he felt about me and what I wish he would have said to, said to me while he was still alive. When And you're, for those who don't know, your father took his life when you were just a teenager. When I was 17. Yeah. And when we found his briefcase, there was a letter, there was a card in his briefcase and he opened it up and it said, Dear Chris. And he never finished that letter. So to write that letter was very, very hard for me. And I was just a blubbering mess, worse than I am now. <laughs> but man, I like I was bawling my eyes out because I was like, I want this letter from my dad so bad. Then another time I wrote the letter as if it came from God and what I wanted him to say about me. And it was amazing. Just the difference in those those two letters um, were incredible. Um, it's just, it's an amazing experience. And so I would welcome you guys to be able to do that and take that time and spend that time with God to understand his love for you and how he sees you. And I'm going to up the ante here on Chris. Um, one thing that I found powerful to experience is to have someone else read the letter to you. you yeah, ever, that would be awesome. That? So, you know who would love to read those letters to you would be Chris, who gave you this homework assignment. I so totally you would. When you send him that email, say, <laughs> here's my letter. I did the homework assignment. He'll he'll coordinate with you, jump on the phone, Skype, whatever. Do that exercise with you. Cause when you send me the email. It's powerful. Add your number in there and I'll call you. Yeah, it's powerful. Um, and these are powerful questions. I mean, as always, the courage it takes, these questions come from different people in different places. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm thinking about that first question again, that lady, um, just the courage bless you because I can promise you, you are not the only person who has any of these questions. And so just humbly, gratefully, we thank you for having the courage to ask these questions. That's just literally amazing. Um, Thank you. If you are listening to this and you have an anonymous question, send it to us. Go to the website, unashamedafraid.com. The link's there. You can ask us the question. Um, we'll answer it again, just like we do in this forum always. Um, we invite you to become an outsider, bold, accepted, unashamed, um, by going to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. Um, we say $5, $10, whatever you can donate a month. That's going to get you... All of the bonus content, um, including this episode and our bonus content, we're going to spend some more time with Autumn um, talking about betrayal trauma, her recovery, keys of, you know, what she found is kind of key things for those in betrayal trauma and working on that. And I uh, invite you to follow us on social media um, at Unashamed and Afraid. You can subscribe by email. Um, and we'll send you our keys to recovery document of kind of the stuff we've learned over the years and kind of combine that all into a little, a little thing to get started. And that's just by subscribing by email. And lastly, if you think that we are doing a decent enough job, a good job, the way that it works in podcast land is the iTunes rating system. So even if you're not listening on iTunes, if you can go into iTunes and rate us, that's where you can make the difference. Help us share this message with more of those who need help. So if you are joining us with the bonus content as an outsider, we will continue to have you here. If you are not yet an outsider, we invite you to join us for the bonus content. If not this time, hopefully next time. And so if you're leaving us here, we invite you to remain unashamed. Unashamed.